You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slips a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Kelly Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1, and it's draft time, which means that we're pulling out all the stops. We're bringing in all the best to talk about What's going on with these prospects, who the Jets should be looking at, who the best are at each position. And so we went and got one of our most popular guests from last offseason. He's the godfather over at Rivals covering all things football, Mr. Mike Farrell. Mike, thanks for coming back on the show, brother. No problem. Did I get anything right last year? I can't remember. I think you did. You said that the offensive linemen in the class were all going to be good, and they all were pretty good, right? Yeah, I think I had the Jets taking Thomas, but they went with Mackay Becton, which turned out to be better because Thomas has struggled a bit. So, But anyway, the Jets need help everywhere, so <laughs> I don't think they can go wrong. It's very true, but the number one position they need help at is quarterback. Sam Darnold is gone, and now at number two, everybody assumes they're going to be picking a new quarterback. Probably not going to be Trevor Lawrence because he's going to go number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. However... Zach Wilson is the player that most people seem to think the Jets have targeted as their next quarterback. You got Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. Those are your consensus top five. Everybody has a different ranking of these quarterbacks, Mike. Tell me how you have them ranked. Uh, I have, um, obviously, Lawrence, number one. I don't think there's any question about that. I have Fields, two, and Zach Wilson, three. Um, And then I have Mac Jones and, and Trey Lance. So, you know, there's a lot of different things you you look for in a quarterback, so it depends on what what system you're you're running. And you know, I think they're enamored with Zach Wilson. Um, I think that's the guy they're going to take, uh, and they're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. You know, from a guy who, who didn't play at a super high level of competition and and struggled in the marquee game last year, but can make so many different throws and and really confuse defenses uh, with his off-platform stuff. So they're looking at him as 
a Mahomes type, and uh, I think they're just trying to hit a home run here. What do you think in terms of Fields and Wilson? Is it close for you, or do you think that Fields is clearly superior? What do you think the strengths and weaknesses are with those two guys? I always defer a little bit to level of competition. Um, you know, Justin Fields has played higher competition. He's been in a playoff twice. He, he, he showed his ability uh, to come back from that rib injury and hang in and, and play tough against, obviously, a very, very good Alabama team. Um, he, he beat Clemson. Uh, you know, but then you look at his struggles. You know, the Indiana game was a struggle. Um, obviously, you know, they needed Trey Sermon to uh, carry them in the Northwestern game. So I don't know if there was something off there. He said he had an injury. Uh, I think it was a rotator cuff. Uh, But he's obviously played on the bigger stage. He's developed as we expected out of high school. Um, And, and, you know, Zach Wilson's more of a question mark to me, you know, because of the level of competition, Um, you know, and, and again, that struggle a little bit last year against Coastal Carolina. So I defer to Fields. I think he makes less mistakes but it's really hard because he has so many more weapons and a better offensive line uh so with you know the level of competition comes also a lot more options for him offensively uh whereas zach wilson didn't have that so you know weaknesses i think you know the 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 knock against fields is he doesn't go through his progressions that's incorrect it's just, I don't know who made that up. Then there's the knock of the work ethic, and I don't know who made that up. And again, a lot of this is scout talk, and they want stuff out there about kids, so they'll drop. Um, you don't hear a lot of negatives about Zach Wilson. Uh, my issue with him is mostly consistency and accuracy, um, and he tries to do things sometimes that you should not do. Uh, Mahomes was the same way, and I said Mahomes was a bad pick. <laughs> so, because um, I. I, I really thought he, he improvises too much. I mean, I've seen him retreat 30 yards in college uh, and, and try to make dangerous plays and throw, you know, across his body and do all those weird things. And I'm like, you can't get away with this in the NFL. Uh, Wilson doesn't do as much improvising, but, you know, that's what worries me is that he's going to try to use that, that big arm and, and that improv, improv to, to make plays and it's going to lead to some mistakes. Mark Sanchez recently said that there's a little bit of Brett Favre in Zach Wilson. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, and and with that is danger, mm-hmm. uh, but also a tremendous upside. You know, Brett Favre, uh, I think, is the career leader in interceptions in the NFL, but he's also a Hall of Famer and won a Super Bowl. So, you know, with that type of guy who is a gunslinger, who feels he can fit the ball in any place, and – you know, doesn't want to throw the ball out of bounds or, or live to the next down. Um, you're going to have some some crazy, you know, moments where you're just clutching your head and saying no, 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 and then he completes it, and you're like, yes. So that that's a good comparison. Um, but Brett Favre is Brett Favre. I mean, you know, to compare anybody to Mahomes or Favre, or I mean, we just don't know. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, when the Chiefs traded up, I was a thousand percent sure it was going to be for Deshaun Watson because he was the more polished player. And Andy Reid looks like a genius now. But I think if Mahomes had gone to a different program, a different NFL team, and, and not had Andy Reid and uh, Eric Bieniemy and, and those guys to sort of reel him in, 
but also let him be him, then he wouldn't have had as much success. So it's all about fit. You know, I don't know how Zach's going to fit with the Jets. Um, what I worry more about is take Zach Wilson and get him some weapons because the Jets just don't have any. I want to get to the weapons that they could add in a little bit, but first I want to ask you about Trey Lance and Mac Jones. If you were sitting at number two, would there be any consideration in your mind for those guys, and what do you like and dislike about them? No, I wouldn't take either at two. Um, it, it's either you know, Fields or, or Wilson to, to me. Um, Trey Lance is a great-looking kid. He was a, He was a baseball player in high school. And he had a three-quarter delivery because he was a catcher. And, and as a catcher, when you throw the ball down to second base when someone's trying to steal a base, it's a snap throw. And, and it's a sidearm throw. And sometimes you have to throw, uh, you know, uh, in, in an odd motion to get around a left-handed batter. And, and a lot of this stuff people don't take into consideration that his mechanics were bad out of high school, which is why nobody went on him. And then, you know, he gave up baseball. He improved quite a bit <clears throat> with his mechanics. He's a big kid. Uh, you know, he can make all the throws. Uh, he can move around. But, you know, he played one game last year and looked very average. And, you know, these smaller school guys are very, very risky. Um, you know, Josh Allen's panning out. Um, it didn't look like he was going to his first few years. Uh, and then Carson Wentz looked like he was going to be the next great thing, and, and he just sort of uh, regressed after the injury. So uh, Lance is a high-risk guy. Mac Jones, to me, is he's a, he's a Matt Ryan, but I don't know if he's as cerebral as Matt Ryan. Um, Matt Ryan, people underestimate how smart he is, how, how well he sees the field. Um, you know, he should have a Super Bowl. He, he is an MVP. Um, he puts up prolific numbers. He's probably going to play four or five more years, get in the hall of fame. And he was such a smart kid, but also very tough at Boston college coming out. Um, Mac hasn't really been hit much because of that offensive line at, at Alabama. He had tremendous weapons. Um, and he sees the field. Well, uh, he can't extend the play, uh, but he's a terrific competitor as well. So that's why I mentioned Matt Ryan because there's a competitive nature about Matt Ryan people don't know. Um, and, and it's the same with Mac Jones. <clears throat> but he's less polished than Matt Ryan was coming out. And and Matt Ryan went third overall. Mac Jones could go third overall, but I think that's a bit of a reach. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
Mike, you mentioned that the Jets are going to need weapons to help out this quarterback. So let's talk about some of the pass catchers they can add at tight end and at wide receiver. We'll start at wide receiver. Everybody knows about Jamar Chase and the two boys from Alabama, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. This is a really deep wide receiver class, just like last year. Rondale Moore, Kadarius Toney, Rashad Bateman, Terrence Marshall Jr., Elijah Moore. So many different wide receivers that can do a whole lot of things. And there's a wide variety of different types of receivers because Kadarius Tony is that small receiver who's explosive. Then you've got the bigger possession receivers that are available in the draft as well. It's almost like going to an ice cream parlor and picking your favorite flavor of ice cream because there's so many different flavor of wide receiver here. Talk to me about this class and who you like and who you think could be good value. Yeah, and this is why I don't think the Jets should touch a wide receiver in the in the first round with their second pick or even the second round because it it is so deep. I mean, you know, after Chase Waddle and Smith, and and I throw Kyle Pitts in there as a you know sort of a hybrid wide receiver tight end type of guy. You've got so many different options as you mentioned. You've got the run and catch, uh, the catch and run guys like like Rondell Moore and Kadarius Tony. Um, you know, Tylen Wallace fits into that. You know, so does Elijah Moore. You've got your bigger receivers and Rashad Bateman and Terrace Marshall. Um, and then you've got your guys that I think are absolute values um, in perhaps the third round or fourth round. Uh, Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, both from Clemson, Daz Newsom from North Carolina, Amon Ross St. Brown from USC, Tutu Atwell from Louisville. On and on it goes. Um, so there's so many. It's so deep. Um you know, I think hold your water first, second round, and you're still going to be able to pick if you want that big receiver. Um, you know, a guy like uh, Tamori and Terry at, at Florida State is a, a player nobody's talking about because he didn't have a quarterback, but he's six four, two ten, tremendous athlete. Um, and if you want that dynamic sort of slot guy, you could go with, um, you know, Diami Brown or Tutu Atwell or Amari Rogers. Um, and then if you want that in-between you know, a Tylen Wallace or somebody like that. Even Sage Sherratt, who's a big receiver, uh, who opted out last season. So many options there. Um, there really aren't any I don't like. I mean, I, 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 Rondell Moore at 5'7 worries me because that's a very difficult target to hit, especially if you're trying to do stuff um, across the middle of the field. Uh, the trajectory of your ball obviously has to be lower and it's going to lead to bad passes and you know, Kadarius Tony had one really good year at Florida, and I worry about the one-year guys. Um, so he's a little bit of a question mark for me. Uh, you know, following these kids out of high school, um, there's there's no doubt in my mind Terrence Marshall has first-round ability uh, as a big receiver. Um, there's no doubt in my mind Elijah Moore is going to be a tremendous slot, and there's no doubt in my mind that Amon Ross St. Brown is going to make somebody very happy as well as Tylen Wallace. So those are the guys that kind of stand out. And at tight end, everybody knows how highly Kyle Pitts is regarded. I've said that I would consider picking him above any of the wide receivers in this draft just because, as Daniel Jeremiah said, you can find a lot of really good wide receivers like you just outlined, Mike. But as far as tight end, there's only one guy in this draft that can do what Kyle Pitts can do, can create all kinds of crazy matchup advantages for your offense. Pat Fryermuth from Penn State is pretty good. Brevin Jordan. It's not a particularly deep tight end class, but there are some impact players there, right? Yeah, and there's some guys you can get um, 
you know, value-wise, obviously Pitts is going to go top five or <clears throat> at the very least top ten. I think Atlanta is going to be very tempted to take him, as will Cincinnati. Um, I'm not sure, you know, depending on what happens with, with that San Francisco pick, Atlanta could trade back or they could take best player available, and that would be Kyle Pitts. Or they could take Justin Fields if he's available and, and <clears throat> you know, have a local kid come back to, uh, to Atlanta. Uh, Cincinnati should take an offensive lineman. But Pitts is going to be gone in the top six, seven picks. I mean, you know, the Dolphins are there. Uh, the Lions already have Hawkinson. But I just think there's a huge drop-off. So the value would be, you know, wait until fourth round. Try to get a Hunter Long from Boston College. Try to see how, how far a Reverend Jordan slides. Um, Tommy Tremble didn't put up great numbers at Notre Dame, but he's an athletic kid. Um, you know, who's just starting to hit his stride. Uh, Kenny Yaboa from Old Miss doesn't have that great downfield speed, but still average like 19 yards a catch. Um, and Lane Kiffin does a great job at tight end. So, you know, after that group, then you get real iffy. So if all those guys are gone, I mean, it drops off a cliff after that. You know, Trey McKitty's big question mark, Matt Bushman is not super athletic and, and then you're talking Nick Eubanks as a big blocking tight end from Michigan. And um, it gets very, very ugly after Yaboa. So if you want a tight end, <clears throat> take one of those, you know, four or five guys in the middle there or just push it till the very end of the draft and, and you know, take a shot at a Miller Forrestal from Alabama and just hope that, you know, his Alabama kid is going to work out. Mike, earlier you mentioned Mekhi Becton, who the Jets drafted at number 11 overall, and he's the only guy on this offensive line that you would project to be here five years from now. Connor McGovern could be here for a couple more years. We don't know for sure, but the Jets need a lot of help on that interior offensive line. And even though George Fant should be the starter in 2021, there's no reason they couldn't get a tackle that could maybe play guard this year and then start at tackle the following year, or even a tackle who's a part-time player year one and becomes the starter year two. A lot of really talented offensive linemen here. The top guy is Penny Sewell from Oregon. Have to assume the Jets are not going to be able to get him. But then as you go down the line, there's some interesting interior options and some interesting tackle options. You look at a guy like Rashawn Slater, also probably going to go ahead of where the Jets can pick at 23, Christian Darasaw from Virginia Tech. Elijah Vera Tucker is somebody that a lot of Jets fans have zeroed in on as a possibility if he slides down to 23. Tevin Jenkins, Jalen Mayfield, Wyatt Davis and Creed Humphrey, two very popular names as well among Jets fans. So talk to me about some of the offensive linemen you like here that the Jets could get either in the first round or even later on. Yeah, I mean, picking 23rd, obviously Sewell is going to be gone. You assume Slater is going to be gone. Uh, if a Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech falls down to 23, I think you grab him. Um, you know, not the only choice, but I think he's, he's, he's worthy of a 23 pick. Um, there's other needs that they have that they could go after, but if he slides that far, uh, he's definitely an option. Elijah Vera Tucker as well, <clears throat> if he slides – that far is what's going to happen is the quarterbacks are going to be taken up top. There's going to be a run on those five, the, the top five quarterbacks will probably be taken in the top 15 picks. After the quarterbacks go, then you're going to have, um, you know, a lot of teams looking at offensive line and, and be like, Oh, there's some values here. Uh, Darius saw a value. Vera Tucker's a value. So they might be gone before 23. And I think 
it, it sort of drops off a ledge a bit after that. I mean, I'm not sold on Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State as a first rounder. I'm not sold on Jalen Mayfield. He's got Alex Leatherwood. Uh, he's not a first rounder either. So I think that's when you push it. Unless you go out of the box and go Creed Humphrey at center, uh, because I think he's a can't miss center, but that's a little high for him. You might be able to get him in the second round. So, you know, you need to protect your quarterback. You need to protect your franchise. Um, but down the line, there are some guys, I think Wyatt Davis and Jackson Carmen are both interior guys based on their arm length. Um, I think Sam Cosby is a good value in round two or three. Trey Smith has, you know, the blood clot questions. Um, but those have been answered for the most part. Deontay Brown is a great value in three, in round three, Walker Little as well. So personally, I think, you know, it's one of those things where if Derrissaw or Pereira Tucker are available, then take them. And then if not, you know, push, push to round three perhaps. What about some of the interior options like Creed Humphrey or Wyatt Davis or even Landon Dickerson, somebody like that? What do you think? Yeah, I, I like Landon Dixon. I mean, I was obviously got the injury question, but, you know, he's doing backflip or something at Pro Day, so he, he's going to be fine. <laughs> and, and you can't go wrong with Alabama offensive linemen. I, I think, you know, they're all good values. They're not first-round talents, except for Humphrey. Again, a center always goes in the first round, or not always, but usually. And he's by far the best center prospect. Um, and if you're looking for a guy that's going to be a 10, 12 year leader of your offensive line, Creed Humphrey is a tremendous value. So I think, you know, he's going to be he's out of, outside the top 50 of many people's, you know, big board. Uh, when you look at the, the mock drafts and, and the prospect list, but I think he's going to be a guy that someone's going to snag earlier than expected. Um, you know, in Deontay Brown, to me, you know, he's lost about 30 pounds and he's, you know, he's, he's just the unsung hero of that Alabama offensive line. Nobody talks about him. He's a plug-in guard who I think is going to have a tremendous 10-year career. So you've got to be careful with, you know, the guys who underachieve a little bit. Wyatt Davis slightly underachieved at Ohio State. Jackson Carmen definitely underachieved at Clemson based on expectations. Alex Leatherwood. Uh, underachieve this year coming back. Um, you got to find somebody that you know is steady and has just continued to either play at the same high level or his trajectory is upwards. Let's talk cornerback because even though the Jets really need to make moves on offense to surround the new quarterback with talent, they've got glaring needs on defense too, and cornerback is the number one need. Caleb Farley is somebody that I think is interesting because he has the talent to be a top 10 pick, but because of the injuries, he may slide even down to the second round. If he's there at 34, I love the idea of the Jets grabbing him. You would think that Patrick Sertan Jr. and J.C. Horn are not going to be available when the Jets pick at 23, but if they slide, who knows? Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State, another big name that could go in the first round. And there are other players, too, that could make an impact if the Jets were to get them at some point. Tyson Campbell, Elijah Molden. So tell me a little bit about this cornerback class and who you like. Yeah, it's an interesting one because Caleb Farley opting out and then having the back surgery, he sort of slid. He was considered a top 10 pick, and, and a lot of people had him going as high as four to Atlanta or 10 to the Cowboys, and now he's trying to work his way back into the first round. So 
the medical question mark there uh, could make him a good value in round two. Sertain will be gone. He's going four or ten, I think. Um, Asante Samuel, I'm not a huge fan of. I know he's got you know NFL bloodlines and he played well at Florida State, but he's five ten, and and I just don't, I don't think you can you can take that risk. Um, if you're going to take a cornerback, you got to have length. I mean, there's two guys in this class that are that are five ten, Elijah Molden being the other one. Uh, they both play bigger than that. Molden's a little bit more physical, but I, I would stay away from those guys. J.C. Horn had an amazing pro day. His dad, Joe Horn, played in the NFL. He's an athletic freak. Um, he's a guy I think that will go probably mid to late first round. Um, and then there's your question mark guys. You know, Eric Stokes can run really well, uh, but he never really showed that speed on the field. Tyson Campbell's a tremendous athlete. 6'2", 185, but never dominated the way we expected him to. Um, you know, I think there's values in the middle of the draft. I think a guy like Paulson Adebu, uh, Adebo at, uh, at Stanford. Um, the one small corner I would take is uh, Shakur Brown at Michigan State because he's just a ball hawk and just has that natural instincts about him to get his hands on the football. But it gets kind of ugly after that. Um, you know, Marco Wilson absolutely tested off the charts, but he also threw a shoe and cost his team, you know, an opportunity to play for a national championship. And Sean Wade has just regressed so poorly. So you see some of those guys being mocked to the, the Jets in the middle. They're risky picks, uh, but they could turn out to be great. But I, I don't like this cornerback group beyond – the top tier. So I think you're going to have to get lucky in the, in the next area and take one of those small guys like Brown or Ambry Thomas or Thomas Graham um, and, and just hope they pan out. Let's talk about the safety position. It's not a huge need for the Jets because they've got three guys that are capable of starting, but Marcus May was franchise tag, so he's on a one-year deal technically. LaMarcus Joyner is on a one-year deal. The only one who's got a deal beyond one year is Ashton Davis, who isn't proven yet. He showed some flashes last year, but nothing concrete to make you think that he's going to be a high-level starter just yet. Tell me about this safety class. Anybody the Jets should be keeping their eye on? Not early in the draft, I would assume, but maybe a little bit later on? Yeah, there, there's some guys. Um, you know, Hamza Nasruddin at Florida State is a guy who I think will probably be available in the third round. Um, you know, Andre Sisco is going to slide, I believe, from Syracuse just because he's such a risk taker. I wouldn't touch him. Uh, but the Jets are obviously aware of him. He played, you know, right up the road. Our Darius Washington is a five foot eight safety, uh, which is extremely rare. And you know, Lamarcus Joyner is the only other one out there, so you don't want to pair them. Um, I, I would say like a guy like an Eric Burrell at Wisconsin, or perhaps a Caden Stearns at Texas. Guys who didn't light up the world, um, and and in Stearns' case, kind of disappointed, but have that athletic ability. Uh, to be very, very good. Richard LeCount from Georgia is another one. Now, the guy I like a lot, and I don't, you know, he didn't have a position, so to speak, at LSU, is Jacoby Stevens. Um, he, to me, could be an Isaiah Simmons type. I mean, 6'2", 230. He, he can play strong. He can play weak side linebacker. He, he can't really play free, 
but he doesn't really have a home. And, and uh, Talanoa Hufanga at USC is kind of the same way, 6'1", 215, could play small linebacker, could play strong safety. Those two are tremendous values late in the draft if they slide as they're projected to slide. The strongest position on the team, even stronger than safety, is defensive line. They need help at edge, and we'll get to that in a second, but I can't imagine they're going to use a high-level pick on an interior defensive lineman. But as far as depth, if somebody falls and they like the value, it's definitely possible. Anybody you like there is a possibility for the Jets? Yeah, I mean, fall, you know, like a Chauncey Golston from Iowa, maybe like late in the draft, Jalen Twyman, um, you know, from Pitt, opted out last season, didn't have a good pro day. He was in the second round discussion. Now he's in the fourth or fifth round discussion. Uh, to Daryl Slayton from Florida is an intriguing guy, 6'5", 340, just never lived up to his potential, but people are intrigued with him. And then I don't understand why Bobby Brown, the third from Texas A&M, is so low on some people's draft charts. Uh, if he's available in round five or six, and you want depth interior line, then that's the guy to take. But it's not a good defensive tackle class, um, and there is nobody to take up front. Um, so they're going to wait on that one. And it's not even a good edge class, which I know we're going to talk about next. Just defensive line is down this year. The edge class is headlined by Jalen Phillips and Quiddy Pay, And then you've got Gregory Rousseau, who's a really interesting case to me because, Mike, before the season, everybody was talking about him as a possible top-five pick. Then he opted out, and then we saw what his teammate Quincy Roche was doing, so people were starting to think, was it the scheme? Is he a tweener? Is he even really a guy that you want to pick that high? And now there are people that think he could go at the end of the first round, so I have no idea what to expect with him. Tell me about this edge class. Any guys that you like in terms of late first round or even later on in the draft? Because Quincy Roche, to me, is an interesting character. He's somebody that has been mock drafted anywhere from, say, round two to round five. You don't know what to expect there. Some other guys like Patrick Jones, who have flashed at times. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot of value here uh, late. Um, and, and second round, if Ronnie Perkins is available, jump on him from Oklahoma because I mm-hmm. love his versatility, the leadership, his toughness. Um, you know, he, he's got the receipts, so to speak. You know, Jason Owa, who tests off the chart at 260 pounds and runs a 439 but had no sacks last year, I wouldn't touch uh, in a million years. Greg Russo, as you mentioned, could slide down uh, into that late first round. But um, there's question marks. You know, I mean, Jalen Phillips obviously had a, a good year while Russo sat out, and I think he's moved up. Uh, and he'll be gone by 23. Carlos Basham Jr. from Wake Forest is a guy that I would consider in round two if you needed an edge. But then way down in the draft, you know, Roche, I've got sliding probably fifth round, maybe fourth. Um, Chris Rumpf, the second, uh, who's an undersized edge out of Duke. Uh, Hamilcar Rashad Jr., who had a billion sacks two years ago and then just had a, a, a an average year and truncated season in COVID is a hybrid guy uh, that will be available in the middle of the draft as well. So those guys intrigue me. Um, But again, edge, I would wait and and just see if you can get lucky on somebody down the line. So you wouldn't pick somebody like Aziz Aljilari at number 23? Uh, I'm tempted because he's he's a hybrid and the hybrids of Georgia have worked out well. Um, You know, if he fits your scheme, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's not long, you know, he's, he's six, three, 
He's 240. Um, he runs a 4.6. He's very powerful, and he, his shoulder dip is amazing. I think he's a first-round talent. Um, I think Joseph Asai is a first-round talent as well as a hybrid guy. It just depends on if he fits your scheme um, because these guys are linebacker size, and they're going to have to do a lot of stuff standing up, and you know that's the risk there. They're not pure edge defensive ends. They're they're you know specialty pass rushers. How about off-ball linebacker? This is a position that is a major need for the New York Jets. The only guy that they have that's a proven commodity is C.J. Mosley, and C.J. Mosley has barely played in the last two years, had that big injury and then opted out. They just signed Jared Davis, but he was very inconsistent in Detroit, so there's not much there. There are some possible options at the end of round one. You look at somebody like Zaven Collins or Jamin Davis or JOK if he makes it there. I would assume Micah Parsons will be off the board. But tell me a little bit about these guys if you think maybe one of them could go at 23. And then who are some options that the Jets could look at later on? Because they absolutely have to do something in this draft. There's no depth there whatsoever. Yeah, I think uh, you know JOK could be there. Uh, Jeremiah Lusu Koromoa at 23. He would be a value. He's not a long kid, uh, but he's athletic as heck and quick twitch. Uh, Zaven Collins, I am infatuated with. You know, a six foot four, 260 pound kid who can run like that. Very, very productive. Level of competition isn't great, but you, you just you don't find linebackers that look better than that. And um, you know, I think he is is a guy who's very versatile um you know he could play strong he could play middle um he can come off the edge and and for some reason he's at that end of the first round i had him after parsons as my number two linebacker um you know parsons is going to be gone in the top 10 probably so zavin collins will be a great great addition there uh jamin davis from, from kentucky he you know he'll be around the second round for some reason i don't understand why um you know, but I think he's a, a, a tremendous value in round two. Nick Bolton, I'm not sold on. He's a little stumpy. Uh, you know, five eleven kid, two thirty two at Missouri, tackling machine. But a lot of the tackles came to him rather than him going to get them. But after that, there's a lot of intriguing guys. You know, Jabril Cox at LSU was a superior athlete. Chad Surratt, former quarterback at North Carolina, uh, undersized but can run. And then Dylan Moses, you know, I mean, the, the kids mm-hmm. we were talking about since sixth grade, um, I think he's going to be a very valuable pro. I don't, I don't see superstar, uh, but I also don't see, you know, washout. Um, so those are some of the guys I would look for. I would not wait. Uh, it gets kind of ugly and risky, um, you know, down when you get to the, the Monty Rices and Cam McGrones and, and Pete Warners and Justin Hilliards of the world. Um, I would grab somebody second round. See, you haven't gotten to my first round, my second first round pick for the Jets yet. So that's why I keep pushing everything to the second round. Um, I would say second or third round. And, and, you know, if someone's available like Jamin Davis, jump on him. Mike, there's only one position we haven't looked at, so I have a pretty good idea which player it is that you're talking about. It's going to be one of two guys, either Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, because we haven't talked about the running back position yet. 
Those are the two guys that a lot of people are discussing as possible late first round, early second round players at that position. But there are some other guys that I like. The two North Carolina guys, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Kenny Gainwell from Memphis is very interesting. Only one year, but very dynamic. He opted out, of course, last year due to COVID. Trey Sermon, who you mentioned before when you talked about how well he played against Northwestern. That's somebody that you might be able to get later on in the draft. So tell me about this running back class. And based on what you just said, I'm assuming that you think the Jets should take either ETN or Harris at number 23. Yeah, I think they should take Najee Harris. Uh, I, I think there's a there's a large discrepancy between one and two, and a lot of people don't. Uh, Travis Etienne is a very, very talented kid. Um, you know, he's shown his ability at Clemson. I think he had a parallel year last season in coming back. Um, I think he would have been drafted higher had he come out. He had a couple fumbles. Some weren't his fault. Some were. Najee Harris took his game to the next level last season. It's fifth year back. He's 23. So a lot of people are like, well, we don't want a 23 year old running back. Well, yeah, you do. I mean, the shelf life is 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let let him play for 23 to 32 and and be a star, but he can catch the football. He's big, six, two, two 30, but he's also got tremendous vision, cutback ability. um, And we've seen his athleticism in the open field. Uh, He's hard to tackle. The Jets need a franchise running back. There is only one in this draft to me. Um, there's a couple guys that could be, but to me, Najee Harris, I mean, listen, if this were a few years ago, you know, when Fournette and, and, and Christian McCaffrey were taken in the top 10, Najee Harris would be taken fourth or fifth overall. It's just a different feel. And because, you know, Fournette was okay, not great, and McCaffrey got hurt. And then all of this stuff where, you know, Todd Gurley's career sort of derailed after a few amazing seasons because of injury and the talk of, you know, how these running backs get worn down. And um, Derrick Henry isn't worn down yet, and he's the most valuable player on the Titans, and he makes that offense go. Um, And I think Najee Harris, you know, could be that type of guy for the Jets. What about some of the other running backs in the class? There's, there's a lot of question marks with these. You know, Etienne definitely is a talented kid. I don't think he's going to go round one. I think someone else will snap him up in round two. Javante Williams uh, is, is excellent, and he is a hard runner, uh, and he can catch the football. I, I like both North Carolina backs. I don't think his pro day was as good as I expected. Michael Carter is, you know, Claude Edwards Hilaire of this class. Um, you know, he's 5'8", 200 pounds tree trunk legs, impossible to get a clean shot on. Um, and his pro day was better. So I think both of those guys will probably go round two as well. Gainwell is the interesting one because I can see him sliding. Um, because after, after Etienne and Harris and the two North Carolina guys, there's a big drop off to me uh, when you're talking about Kenneth Gainwell who opted out. So there's question marks there. Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, who's a huge kid, but, isn't overly fast. Trey Sermon, big kid, can catch the ball, has had injury issues in the past. And, uh, Kylan Hill and Khalil Herbert and Chubba Hubbard and guys like this that it, that it are sort of overlooked. Um, you know, Jarrett Patterson's 5'6". You know, he's listed 5'9". That, that worries me a little bit. You can't be that short <laughs> and try to block guys. Um, Demetri Felton is a very intriguing one to me because he can do a lot of things. He's sort of a Swiss Army knife. 
at running back. So if they don't go running back at 23, you know, I, I think they're going to take a real shot if they waste, um, you know, a pick and, and, and try to wait until the third or fourth round because the four guys that, that are real values are going to be gone. And then you take Gainwell, which a lot of people have mocked to the Jets, um, and you take a risk. You know, and it's not just the opt out. It's, you know, he had he had a great season, but is he a powerful enough guy? You know, he's five eleven, one ninety five listed. Can he take the, the the punishment and the abuse? He hasn't played, um, you know, in an NFL system. He hasn't really played against top level competition. So he's intriguing, but certainly a question mark. And <clears throat> you know, the other guy I like is Khalil Herbert who had the one good year at Virginia Tech after transfer from, from Kansas because he's low and big, but he's not fast. So if you want a game breaker, which I think they need at running back, uh, you know, take Zach Wilson at two, take Najee Harris at 23, and you're going to be pretty happy. The interesting thing about that, Mike, is if you get Najee Harris to go with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones or whichever quarterback they pick, you're taking a guy that can come in and immediately help take a lot of the pressure off that rookie quarterback. And on top of that, like you said, people will say, oh, they're going to wear down after four or five years. That's okay. After four or five years, if you get four or five excellent seasons out of a young running back, you can move on and get another one. I think for the most part, that's what happens with most of these running backs. You run into problems when you pay the guy a lot of money after year four or year five. So even if you get a guy late first round, early second round who can give you all-world type of production at the running back spot, especially out of the backfield for four to five years, doesn't seem like a terrible investment to me. No, and he's a special talent. I mean, we've had three running backs at Rivals rated number one overall in our history. Uh, one was Adrian Peterson. He kind of worked out. Another was uh, <laughs> Bryce Brown, who derailed his entire college career. You know, he concussions issues at Tennessee, transferred to Kansas State, did nothing, and then popped up on the NFL radar one season with the Eagles and had a good year and then went to Buffalo and disappeared. And he just never panned out. And Najee Harris is our guy. You know, we didn't have Leonard Fournette number one when a lot of people did. He's just so different. He's so athletic. Um, you know, Cam Akers was in that same high school recruiting class. Uh, we had him three. He's off to a good start with LA, but, but Najee has just more upside. And, you know, listen, the Steelers are praying to the gods of the NFL draft that the Jets look at Najee Harris and pass because he's going to be snapped up at 24 if they don't take him at 23. Interesting to consider. So for anybody who's hoping that Najee Harris makes it to the second round, Mike believes that the Steelers are going to grab him at 24 if the Jets don't take him at 23. I'm not sure that it would be a super popular pick among Jets fans, but I can tell you this much, and we can agree on this for sure. If the Jets pick Najee Harris, whether you like the pick or don't like the pick, once football season starts in September, you are really going to enjoy watching him play. Mike Farrell of Rivals.com, the godfather, covering all things football. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it. Hope you'll come back on after the draft is over so that we can assess how you think the Jets did in the draft. In the meantime, though, for everybody that wants to check out your work, follow you on social media, how can they do that? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Rivals Mike. I am uh, Instagram at Rivals Godfather because somebody had Rivals Mike for some reason. And uh, <laughs> I am on TikTok, believe it or not. Wow. Um, I'm not dancing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dancing or doing any of that garbage, but it's fun because there's so many 
cool different things to do. And, and what I kind of do on there is I, I throw, I throw high school film up of kids and then I, you know, then I, and then I say, look at what we had to deal with. Like Trevor Lawrence at, at 15 was, you know, awful. I can't, um, you know, I just put up, uh, um, Kyle Pitts <laughs> and everybody's like, man, he's slow and bottom heavy. I'm like, and this is our job. I mean, we project these guys from high school all the way to the NFL and it's not easy to do. So, you know, you get some cool stuff, some retro stuff on TikTok as well at Rivals Godfather. Go ahead and follow Mike on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok, too. I never saw that one coming, but hey, the new technology gets everybody. Make sure you're checking out his work as well. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. For the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.